it was so good to just hear the voices in the building again. I think that's my favorite part about having more people in the building apart from just seeing you guys, being able to talk with you again. Is, uh, just hearing the voices is beautiful. Um, it's been a long year and a half, and with the COVID cases decreasing, with vaccinations increasing, uh, and the restrictions slowly lifting, it looks like we're finally nearing the end, maybe, maybe. I said that last time, and we planned a youth event, and then we had to cancel, so maybe. Well, I'll get better. Uh, but before we jump into our chapter this morning, Romans 8, um, I just want to remind us all of, of uh, the fact that when we transition into a different time of life or our routines or habits change, um, there's a lot of stress that usually comes, uh, especially when our lifestyles and our habits, even though they're maybe going to better things, um, and as restrictions are easing, it's, it's a good change perhaps, but even though it's good, we can still feel the effects of the stress. And so I just want to encourage you, uh, have, have grace and, and mercy and patience for one another, uh, especially for yourselves as well. I know it's, it's difficult to, to talk with people, especially that don't agree with us on certain subjects, whether it's the regulations, let alone the rest of life. Uh, but we can still show kindness, respect, and love to one another. So as, as we transition back into whatever life's going to look like now, Probably not blowing the candles out on birthday cakes anymore, although I'm hoping. Um, be kind to others. Be kind to yourself. It's, it's, it's still stressful, and we can still have mercy for each other. Uh, but this morning, we are continuing our series, What God Has Promised. And throughout the Bible, as we've been talking through our series, there are thousands of promises, incredible blessings that God has, has said to us in the Bible that we can promise as true, uh, because His Word is truth. And... The promises we see written in the Bible are incredible uh, if we're choosing and willing to believe them. Uh, and we've, we've talked over the past uh, few weeks and couple months here that uh, God is in control over everything. There's the promise that we are not only a new creation, but we are his workmanship. Uh, the promise of his Holy Spirit being with us to guide us, to counsel us in life. Uh, and that we can, we can come to God for the help that we need because of the sacrifice Jesus made for us. Uh, there are some incredible promises in the Bible, and today we're going to look at the promise that we are God's children, and what that is, and what what marvelous implications that has in our lives. So, uh, if you have your Bibles with you here this morning or in front of you at home, uh, I'd encourage you to turn to Romans chapter eight. We're going to be reading verses fourteen to seventeen. Romans chapter eight, verse fourteen to seventeen. Here's what Paul writes. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. There's a lot to talk about there, and we're going to unpack that a little bit. Uh, but we are the children of God if we are led by the Spirit of God. Um, in, in the first half of Romans chapter 8, it's a phenomenal chapter. It's probably my favorite chapter in the entire Bible. Um, I say that about every chapter I preach on, though, so... Um, but it, it, right before this verse that Paul just describes us being welcomed into the family of God, 
uh, he, he's describing these two very different lifestyles. Uh, the, the one that's lived uh, for the flesh and one that's lived for the spirit. Now, Paul uses this flesh and spirit language quite a bit in, in his letters. And all throughout the Bible, we actually have this flesh-spirit language. Uh, so just to make it obvious, uh, those who live in the flesh are those who are giving in to as many bodily pleasures or uh, comforts as possible. So uh, in the Bible, we have lists of people or um, descriptions of what it looks like to live for the flesh. So um, just some of them are living for uh, alcohol, getting drunk all the time, living for sex, for food, uh, for selfishness, letting, letting their desires take direction in their life. Uh, so those who live by the flesh are living simply to please themselves. Uh, their only goal is to live for comfort. Uh, and so that's one category that Paul describes. And the other category are those who are led by the Spirit of God, uh, away from a selfish lifestyle in order to live for God. And instead of living on a daily basis for my own desires, the things that I want, uh, it's instead lived following the Spirit and, and the direction that Jesus leads and, and that we were actually designed for as well. Uh, but Paul uses these terms like flesh and spirit uh, and compares them in order for us to understand the marked difference between those who choose to follow their flesh and those who choose to follow the spirit, uh, uh, between those who accept God's gift of mercy and those who reject God's gift. And I'm not pointing at you guys, and these guys are good. I'm just using my analogy here. Um, but one is an incredible blessing but really, there's, there's, there's nothing to compare here. It's between life and death. The way Paul puts it is that one is an incredible blessing, welcomed into the family of God, whereas the other is, is simply just death, is what he describes it as. It's the, it's the opposite of life, because everything without God is the opposite of life. Just like the, the uncreated void and emptiness in Genesis, right before God spoke the beauty of this world into being, a life without God is void of, of life, of, a void of purpose, of meaning, direction. And so we have a choice to live either for the flesh, for our selfish desires and the things that we physically want, uh, or live a life with purpose in the way Jesus has designed us and created us for each one of us. So that's kind of what he's talking about right before we come to the promise of being welcomed into God's family. Uh, so as we look at this promise today, I want to I look at two main questions about uh, this, this passage here. What does it look like to be led by the Spirit, first? And second, what does it mean to be a child of God? What implications does that have for us? Uh, so first, what does it look like to be led by the Spirit? Because I think we all like the idea of being led by the Spirit, uh, but in, in, in realistic terms, it's kind of hard to describe what that means sometimes. So uh, in, in verse 11 of this chapter here, uh, we have the promise that, and Paul says, the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in us, that the same power can give life to us. Now that's another incredible promise. I mean, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you and in me, in order to give life to us. Like, if we actually understand this passage, is there anything that we can't do? Like, really, though, death 
is the greatest enemy in this world. Most of the things we do in life in order are in order to prevent or prolong our life, prevent death. Uh, we, we wear seatbelts, we get vaccinations, we exercise, we eat weird things like kale, all in an effort to prolong our life, right? Yet, all of our efforts will fail. We're all going to die. <laughs> That's not a very happy message, Scott. Uh, but the world is wilting away. It's decaying. And, and it's the effects of sin and our mistakes that do this. Yet we have the promise that Jesus has overcome death and that we, by that same spirit, have that same power to overcome death. We don't have to be afraid of, of death, of anything, really. Yes, yes, our bodies will perish. Our flesh will continue to decay while we live in this world. There will be sickness. There will be pain. But we have a future hope that nothing in this world can take away. I like the way um, Psalm 73 describes this. Uh, it says, God guides me with his counsel, and afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And the earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. We, we are led by the Spirit into life and life everlasting, our, our promised portion from what the psalm just described. So that's our hope. But, but what does it look like for us to be led by the Spirit? Because again, I've been talking about a lot of this hope, a lot of these things, but in a day-to-day -day life, what does that actually look like? Um, well, we kind of already talked about what the opposite of living for the Spirit is like, uh, living for our flesh, right? And in many places in the Bible, like I said, we have a description of what living for our flesh looks like. Um, acting in anger, unforgiveness towards one another, being greedy, uh, proud and abusive, stealing, getting drunk, uh, acting selfishly. But just saying what the Spirit doesn't look like doesn't give us a good direction for what living for the Spirit will look like. Um, because just saying what the Spirit doesn't look like um, doesn't give us a much description of it. And sometimes we can get caught in this trap that living for the Spirit is just simply avoiding all of these things, all of the things for our flesh. Uh, but what does it actually mean to follow God? But if we, if we stay at the level of just avoiding sin, of avoiding the things of our flesh, um, then we don't really have much faith to grow in that. Or, or rather, our faith is then a model for gaining status, we go back to this law-based righteousness where we're simply just trying to avoid certain things to earn our goodness, to make sure that we're good enough to be accepted by God. And so we stay sometimes just at the level of avoiding sin in our relationship with Jesus. Instead of having an actual relationship with him, going as he directs, allowing him to transform us. Uh, instead of that, we just avoid evil, which doesn't get us very far, right? Because as long as we're living in this world, uh, we're going to struggle with the effects of temptation of sin. As long as we have a physical body, we're going to struggle with physical things. So, again, what does living for the Spirit look like? Um, in, in John chapter 3, Jesus is talking with Nicodemus, uh, one of the uh, Jewish leaders at the time, and he's describing the work of the Spirit and being born again. And as he does so, he says this, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So everyone who has the Spirit is like this wind, Jesus is saying. 
And if you've, if you've read many stories from the Bible of, of people who have followed God or been led by his spirit, um, there's some pretty weird stories in there of what God actually calls people to. Um, and sometimes it doesn't really make sense what the spirit leads people to do when the voice, or, or the voice of God is spoken to them. Uh, so for instance, I mean, Noah was led by God, by the spirit to build for years and years a boat big enough to house all the animals in it. Uh, even though the, 